Hey, welcome home. Both those that are in the room and those of you that are joining us online. Seven months ago, I think it was the 11th of July, we came back into this space. People have joined us and people have stayed away and for different reasons, but we've been back in the room seven months. And there is something really significant. As much as being online has helped us, being online has, I guess, broadened our reach somewhat. It's enabled those that are, if they're isolating through COVID or whatever else, maybe people are watching in hospital rooms. But there is something about being in the room and experiencing what we've just experienced. Experiencing the worship. What an incredible song, It Is Well With My Soul. Seven months. Before we pray and before we get into the word, I want to just have this thing, thought going around my head. What if this is it? What if it doesn't significantly change? Will we still be sat on the sidelines waiting? Waiting, waiting for a moment when maybe we're given a bit more freedom or maybe something changes. And we look back and we've wasted two, three, four, five years. You see, the circumstances do not have to dictate who we are and the life that we have. Jesus said, I have come to give you life and life to the full. Did he? Or did he say, I've come to give you life except when COVID's on? No, he didn't. He said, I've come to give you life and life to the full. I just believe this year we need to stop waiting. Yes, we may have to do things very differently, but let's stop waiting. Let's engage with life. Let's engage with people in a safe, secure, and sanitized way. COVID's not going to go away. Are we going to just sit on the sidelines of life and allow mental health problems to grow? Allow people to be further and further divided? Or are we going to engage with the life that Jesus has already bought for us? Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your word. We thank you. Thank you for the incredible witness that these young guys have just made. We pray, God, that this won't be just an in-the-room experience for them, but what they've experienced today, the declaration, the decision that they've made today, will impact more Monday than it does Sunday. I pray for those that maybe are even trying to decide, should I get baptized, that this will be the day that they make that decision to follow you, identify with you, and identify in you. I pray for those that may be in this room that don't even know Jesus yet, that something will cause their attention and minds to turn to you. Despite maybe the hurts of the past, despite whatever's gone on in the past, that their attention will be drawn to you. In the name of Jesus, amen. Why don't you grab your seats? 
So Tuesday, just gone, my doctor called. I'd had some tests, blood tests, and all the other tests that you can imagine. And he did that, you know the praise sandwich thing? This is awesome. This is not so. This is awesome. He did that with me. It's like, oh, these tests are great, you know, this blood test and this and this. And, oh, by the way, your cholesterol's really high. And, but everything else is fantastic. He did that praise thing that we're supposed to learn to do when we're talking with people. I blame Canada. I do, because poutine. I'll just throw that out there. Poutine. I'm sure my cholesterol was fine before I ate twice my body weight in poutine over the last few months. But my doctor tells me I'm unhealthy, in, just in one area, not every area of my life. But the thing is, I didn't know I was unhealthy in that area. I'd have just gone on eating more and more poutine, because I love it. But it wasn't until I assessed or was assessed that I realized I'm actually unhealthy in that area. Now, a few years ago, I looked at my own life. And I looked at my health, and I realized that I was actually overweight, I was lethargic, I was out of shape, and I was inactive. And I decided that I needed to do something about it, because up until... I guess a few years before that, I'd been really active. I loved my sport. I used to play rugby, snowboard, um, played soccer, football on a Saturday morning, and then rugby on the afternoon. I was that fit. I was that guy. Did water skiing, coached all of that, did a bit of surfing. But I'd become distracted from being healthy and fit. So I decided I, I needed an incentive to get fit again because all my fitness previously had been done towards a sport. I was getting fit so that I could water ski better. I was getting fit so that I could play rugby better. I was getting fit so that I could mountain bike better. So I decided I was going to do... Anyone heard of Tough Mudder? It's the dumbest thing on the face of the planet. If anyone tries to persuade you to do it, Run. It is, the one I did was 12 miles. It had about 24 obstacles, I think it was. Two of them were electric shock obstacles. So you have to, one of them, you, it's a low thing, so you have to do this commando crawl through, and they've got these little thin wires hanging down. Little thin wires don't hurt you, do they? Yes, they do. If they're full of electricity, they do. And then the other one, which is right at the end, was this massive framework. And you just probably from about here to, to where that post is, you had to run through. There was 10,000 of these wires hanging down. There was no way of avoiding it. And uh, you just had to... But right at the beginning as well, there's this huge... I don't, do you call them skips here? Like a rubbish skip that they put rubbish in? Huge. Uh, lots of blank faces. What would you put your rubbish in that's big and open? A, well, yeah, so a dumpster, but without a lid, okay? So it's a massive dumpster. It's full of slush and ice. 
And they keep adding ice because during the day it melts a bit. But what you have to do, you have to dive in, go under this board and come up the other side. Yeah, it is horrible. It's not at the end, it's at the beginning. So you have to keep running. Then there's all these obstacles, mud obstacles. It's, I say it's horrible, it's, it's fun now that I look back. In the way that childbirth <laughs> is fun when you look back and you've completely forgotten about it. So I decided I wanted to do that. And that was, that, you know, we, there were several of us that did it. We trained and did all of this stuff. It was, it was, it was, was fun. But I also decided that I wanted a long-term goal as well. I wanted a long-term goal of being able to snowboard with my grandchildren. We still had young kids at that time, and obviously Judah's still, still young. And so it was a long, long way off. But I, wanted to, I made the decision, I don't want to get to whatever age it is when my girls at 40 years old start having children and not be able to go out and have fun with them. So I made a decision that I wanted, and you can't, you can't get fit, really, or it's very hard to get fit at 70, 75. You have to be fit on the way there. And so I, need, I needed to pursue, I wanted to pursue fitness now so that I could be healthy in my future. That's what I decided to do. And I think so often we, we make these New Year's resolutions, don't we, without a goal or a vision in mind. We need goals and visions to help us move forward. Last year, our focus as a church, our vision as a church was just this simple phrase, as one. As one we worship, as one we give, as one we grieve, mourn, and celebrate together. As one, we build together. And we have Jesus at the center because he is the chief cornerstone, the Bible tells us, on which we build everything. And so we made that decision to have a vision for as one. And when we see the world around us is so divided, we the church, despite our different perspectives on many things, still need to be and still can be as one. So what's important to us this year? Well, to be honest, exactly the same as last year, we don't disregard that and think, well, we don't need that anymore, or we've done that, we've done that to death, that's fine, everyone's, everyone's aligned, everyone's of one heart, but we see we're not. So we keep that, but we build on it. And as we look forward to our focus this year, we don't leave behind last year, we build on it. We continue in our alignment with an undivided heart. But this year our focus is simply this, healthy heart. Our focus this year is to have health. And over the last two years we've been warned over and over and over and over again, be careful, take precautions, wash your hands for 20 minutes. That's what it feels like. Wear hand sanitizer, wear a mask, do all of these things. And I'm not, I'm not casting any aspersions on any of those things, but we have been warned over and over and over and over again about those things. Don't 
get sick. But here's the problem. When we are here now at this point, have we spent so long and been so entrenched and, and I guess been so in the rut of not trying not to be sick that we've forgotten how to be healthy? See, there's a big difference between not being sick and being healthy. And this year, I want our focus not to just be about let's not get sick, but let's be healthy. And so like my visit to the doctor a couple of weeks ago for my checkup, we, we often don't know what areas we are unhealthy in until we begin to assess our health. We want to be healthy, not just sick. We want, firstly, healthy disciples. Jesus said, go out and make disciples. So we want to be and make healthy disciples, people who follow other people. We've got four areas that we're going to be looking at over and over again and unpacking over this year. We want to be healthy relationally. As individuals, we want to be healthy relationally. We want to be healthy physically. We want to be healthy financially. And we want to be healthy spiritually. But then we also want a healthy church community. So not just me as an individual, we want our community to be healthy. So we will be looking again at as a, as a church being healthy relationally, being healthy physically, being healthy financially, and being healthy spiritually. And we I guess what you could call the, the organization of the church, the leadership team, the board, the staff. We want a healthy church organization as well. Healthy relationally, healthy physically, healthy financially, and healthy spiritually. So I want to ask, and maybe for this moment you can't see it, but can you see it? Can you, can you think about it? Could this be in your visions and dreams for us this year? Maybe this year we can just start dreaming again. Not dreaming again. Not living on the sidelines. Not waiting till something's over. Not trying not to be sick, but actually making decisions to be healthy. We want to be healthy. We want healthy disciples. And out of that, we want healthy families. We want a healthy community. We want a healthy organization. So, what does the Bible say about being healthy? Surely, the Bible, isn't it just about Jesus, theology, and spirituality? Yes, it is. But there's a lot in the Bible about health. Proverbs 4 20 to 23 says this, and many of you will know part of this verse, may have read it before. My son, pay attention to what I say. Listen closely to my words. Do not let them out of your sight. Keep them within your heart, for they are life to those who find them and health to a man's whole body. Above all else, guard your heart, for it is a wellspring of life. See, the words that God brings to us through Jesus and through the Bible bring us health and life. 
the words that we listen to. The words that we listen to on the converse side can also make us sick. Those Facebook discussions, arguments, whatever it is that we get so involved in. The news that, that drip feeds us, and sometimes it's not even a drip feed, it's a hosepipe feed. Bad news, fear. You see, that can make us sick, as well as the words that we read from Jesus and God's word can make us healthy. So we want a healthy heart. Why? Because everything flows from there. One of the other versions says, guard your heart for out of it flow the issues pertaining to life. The issues that help form life, that help us do life, everything flows from our heart. Jesus said, love God, love people. And he went on to say, all the law and all the prophets, everything you've read, Everything you've read, and he was obviously talking about the Hebrew Bible, what we know as the Old Testament. He was saying, everything you've read there, hang on these two phrases, love God, love people. Loving God and loving people keep your heart healthy. It doesn't do away with grief and mourning, but it keeps your heart healthy. It doesn't do away with the pain of circumstances that we face, but it keeps your heart healthy healthy. 3 John 2 to 4. And this is unfortunately one of those verses that's been misquoted and misused and misrepresented, but I'm going to read it. Dear friend, I pray that you may enjoy good health and that all may go well with you, even as your soul is getting along well. It gave me great joy when some believers came and testified about your faithfulness to the truth telling how you continued to walk in it. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. I pray that you may enjoy good health and that it all may go well with you. See, that, that word go well is prosper, and that's where it's been misused. I pray that it pro your soul prospers. That's not about... Believing for the next Mercedes when you've got no money. It's actually talking about a good journey. It's talking about having a healthy heart. It's not a promise of money. It's a prayer for a, and a hope for a good journey. In the same way that we often bless each other, I pray that your week is a good week. I pray that the circumstances that you're facing this week will go well. It will be a good journey. It's like one friend chatting to each other. Hey, I know, I know you've got some stuff to face, but I'm praying that it's going to be a good week for you this week. That's what John is saying here, saying to the church. I pray that you're in good health as your soul prospers. That word prosper means to have a good journey. Be healthy so that we can accomplish and be everything that God has called us to be. He goes on to talk about faithfulness to the truth and walking in the truth. So having good health is about walking, walking in the truth, but also bringing joy to others as well.
Proverbs 14, verse 30. Just a short verse says this, A heart at peace gives life to the body. The word peace there, and I was was really interested in, in that word because the word peace that's often used in the Bible, you may have heard of it, shalom. It means to to prosper as a community, to be in relationship, good relationship with each other. It's not about the absence of war. It's about the presence of relationship. But it's not that word. The word that peace here actually means healing and health. A heart that is healthy and healed gives life to the body. So saying we want a healthy and need a healthy heart heart and the word peace that's used there I love this bit I love this listen to this in Malachi 4 it says the son of righteousness will rise with healing in its wings I don't know if you've ever heard that verse before healing in its wings it's the same word wings is a really interesting term there because it doesn't necessarily mean wings. Well, that's strange. A sun doesn't have wings. How can there be healing in the wings? It also means edge of the garment. Anyone see where I'm going with this? It says, the sun of righteousness will rise with healing at the edge of the garment. See, in the New Testament, a woman came to Jesus. She had, a, she had menstrual problems. Continuous bleeding, which meant, obviously, it was uncomfortable. Obviously, it was painful for her, distressing for her. But it also meant that she couldn't engage with worship. She couldn't go into the temple because during that period, the Bible says that that there is an uncleanness that women need to be set aside and cherished in those times. But she couldn't worship with everyone. So she'd spent years not being able to worship. Where did she touch Jesus? She didn't touch him on his head. She didn't touch him on his shoulder. She didn't grab him about the waist. She touched the son of righteousness at the edge of his garment. Why? Because there's healing and health, not just at the head, but at the edge. See, often we we see this place, this area here, Almost as sacred. That's where everything happens. That's where the prayers... The person up there needs to be praying for other people. But you see, this woman couldn't get to the platform for her health and healing. All she could get to was the edge. Maybe maybe she'd read Malachi 4 and she knew, you see, this healing at the edge of his garment. If I could just get close enough. I don't need to touch him. I could just get close enough. If I could just get to the church doors, if I could deal with my anxiety and depression and just get to the church doors, I know that our connection team, our guest services team are so full of God, so full of the Holy Spirit that there is healing in the words that they bring. I don't even need to listen to the pastor because I know I know that there is healing at the edge of the garment. See, we need people full of the Holy Spirit on our doors. 
We need people prepared, not just to say hello, but to bring a word from God at the edge of the garment. Why? Because there's healing there. The sun will rise with healing at its edges. She pursued Jesus. And the result was healing and health come to her body. See, a healthy heart gives life to the body, it says there. And it's contrasted there with envy, that grasping, that, that nothing is ever enough. I want what you have. That's what envy is. It's saying, I, I, I'm not satisfied. I'm not content with what I have. I want what you have. It rots the bones. But a contentment, a healthy heart, a heart at peace gives life to the body. Paul himself says, I've, I've learned to be content. I've learned with a lot and I've learned with a little. I'm content with whatever I have. So, our external circumstances do not need to determine our health. The song that we sung earlier, which so many of us love, It Is Well With My Soul, and some of you will know the story of Horatio Spafford. I'm not going to go into the, the whole detail. You can Google it and read it online. But you see, when he wrote this, it was not well in the circumstances, but it was well with his soul. His son had died. He faced financial ruin after the great fire of Chicago. His wife and daughters went across the Atlantic and their ship was hit and his wife was the only one saved. So within a short space of time, Horatio lost a son and four daughters. And out of that song, he was able to write, it is well with my soul. I'm not sure that I could do that. I don't know, honestly, if I can be honest with you, I don't know that I could write that with that much grief, that much trauma. But he determined that his external circumstances was not going to determine the condition of his soul, the health of his soul. He had a grieving heart, a broken heart, but it was also a healthy heart. So he must have known how to guard his heart. Jesus told his disciples, don't let your heart be troubled. He knew what they were about to go through. He knew what the circumstances were going to happen to them. And, and after Jesus died and rose again and went to heaven, he knew that many of them were going to be killed. But he said, don't let your heart be troubled. Don't allow your heart to give way to fear and anxiety. Living in fear and anxiety will not bring health to you, your family, or your community. And unfortunately, we, the church, have allowed fear and anxiety to creep into our hearts and minds and to make us, at times, unhealthy. And we need to look at the areas. Maybe it's not every area of church life. Maybe it's only like me, my cholesterol level. Everything else was fine, but it was just that one area. But you see, that one area could begin to affect other areas. Fortunately, I like porridge. Oatmeal, I think you call it. Is that right? Great for getting rid of cholesterol. I love it. 
And we, we, the church, have allowed maybe cholesterol to creep into our heart. And we need to assess where we are. Not just us here, but, you know, we, we had the privilege of hosting our district denomination conference this week. It was incredible to, to meet with other pastors and be with them. But many other pastors are saying exactly the same thing. It's a struggle at the moment because we've allowed certain things to creep, fear and anxiety to, to overtake our minds. And we need to guard our heart. Here's what the New Testament says about guarding our heart because we've read what the Old Testament commands us. Guard your heart for out of it flow the issues of life. How do you do that? How do you guard your heart? Well, Philippians 4, verses 6 to 8, directly tells us, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, with prayer and petition, that just means requests, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Hand over to God the stuff of life. That's what it's saying here. Come to God. Bring it to God. Hand it over to him and say, God, this is your responsibility. I'm going to hand this stuff over to you. I'm going to ask for what I need, but I'm going to hand all of that stuff over to you. And your peace, which goes beyond logical reason thinking, will guard our hearts and our minds. Where? In Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, Whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Saying they direct your thinking. Don't get so involved in the fear-mongering of the world. Direct your thinking to these areas. Are you still with me, church? God's peace will guard our hearts. You see, our, our health comes from our identity. Paul Two weeks ago, I think it was, talked about our identity in Christ. Our identity is in Christ. And as we more and more make our identity in Christ, not this thing or that thing, there's so many identity politics going on at the moment. As we make our identity, our primary identity of being in Christ, it will begin to guard our hearts and minds. Let me ask you, who or what are you in? And I want to explore some of these themes a bit more in the coming weeks. So you'll need to come back. Health takes sacrifice and discipline. For me to get fit, to do Tough mud, I had to exercise, I had to run, I had to train. It takes sacrifice and discipline as a church to be a healthy church, to be healthy disciples, to be a healthy organization, takes sacrifice and discipline. We sacrifice for a future generation, as we heard last week, in our relationships, in our physical well-being, in our finances, and in our spirituality. And if we want health, there are biblical principles in all of these areas that we need to instill in our lives. And over this year, we will begin to look at them. Just want to ask you a question. What area? Maybe as you're thinking or maybe as you go about this week, what area are you going to be challenged to bring discipline and ultimately health to? Will you assess where you need to bring health to your life? 
And we will be doing that as individuals, but also as a church and in our groups together. But let me say, we're not pursuing health just to be healthy. See, I didn't, I didn't want to get fit and healthy just for the sake of that. I wanted it because I had a short, short-term goal of entering this race, which I did, but I also had a long-term goal, an end in mind. I want to be able to be fit enough and healthy enough to ski, snowboard with my grandchildren. See, like the woman who had an issue of blood, she pursued Jesus. She pursued him and touched, despite the crowds, when they would probably be pushing her away, but despite the crowds, she touched the very edge and received her health and healing. Will we pursue Jesus in the same way? So that we can be in relationship with him. So that we can become like him. So that we can be on mission for him. So that we can represent him to the world around us. We pursue Jesus. And in pursuing him, we become more like him. And in doing so, that will bring us health and healing. If the band could come back, I'm going to finish in a moment. Last week... John challenged us to be a church of the generations. Older people, can I challenge you? Keep a healthy heart. There are things that will go on that that are not your preference. It's okay. Often we, we equate ideology with theology. We equate our preference with theology. We like things done in a certain way. Because maybe they've meant something to us in the past. Maybe it's been tradition for the pastor to wear a suit in the past. We like that. And there's nothing wrong with that. But it doesn't mean to say it has to be done now. Keep a healthy heart. Keep an open heart. And keep a soft heart. Young people, I want to speak to you. Watch the older people. Take note of the older people. We have some incredible older people within our community. Can I just say that? You see, you don't get to their age and still be in the house of God, still be worshipping. I loved, I think it was Bev that came down and stood next to me in the aisle there and just was worshipping God during the songs. You see, you don't get to that age without bearing the scars of life. You don't get to that age without having walked probably there and back several times through the valley of the shadow of death. You don't get to that age without having turned graves into gardens and still be in the house of God. I love this phrase that I heard this week. You see, we often think that the graves are taken away and the gardens are there. No, no, no. The graves are still there, but the garden is beautiful. See, young people, I want to commission you and challenge you. Take time with some of our older people. Ask them, how did they get to that age still loving Jesus? Their graves have been turned into gardens. They've walked through the valley of the shadow of death, got the scars, come out the other side. Some of us are still shouting and wondering, can I go into the valley of the shadow of death? Where there's many of our old people saying, come on, we can do this together. It's okay, I've been this way before. 
I've walked through. Jesus has walked me through and back again. Imagine. Not just this year, but imagine what we could do as a healthy church, healthy disciples, healthy organization with healthy hearts, undivided hearts. I just began to think and dream a bit myself. What could happen here? Imagine a church that all the cultures and ethnicities don't just attend but find hope, home, and healing in this place. See, for some of us white people, we think everything is awesome. We have no idea of the discrimination and racism that some of our colored, black, indigenous people that are part of our community face outside of these walls. And I am committed to make sure that this place is a place of safety. Sometimes we have to think about that. You see, racism will not be ignored. It will be dealt with. It will be dealt with in a loving way to to reconcile, to bring people back into relationship, but it will be dealt with. But it needs a healthy church with a healthy heart to be able to do that. Imagine a church. Imagine planting a church in the heart of one of our indigenous communities. Imagine helping restore some of the struggling rural churches back to health, back on their feet. Imagine seeing overseas workers, not just supporting them when they're out there, but coming from this church with our full support, both financially and spiritually. Imagine a church so full of the presence of Jesus and a healthy heart that people are drawn to its healthy disciples and want to be part of it. Imagine a church that we believe that Jesus is who he says he is and he does what he says he does. Imagine a church that's not too embarrassed to pray for the sick, to believe for healing. I'm just going to throw this out there. Sometime over the next few months, we're going to do a healing service. Not one of those wacky things that you may Google, but we're going to preach from the Word of God, and then we're going to quietly say, if you want to be healed, let's pray. Now, remembering what I said before, The son of righteousness rises with healing at the edge of the garment. Doesn't have to be the special man of God with the healing ministry. Can I be honest again? Maybe I'll get the sack from the board. I've probably got no more faith for healing than you have. But I'm going to believe that from a healthy heart, I can pray. We can pray together. We can add our faith together and we can see healing in the moment. healthy disciples that live a life that's attractive to the people around through both triumph and tragedy. Healthy disciples that want to get baptized. Imagine that each of us as individuals, but also as a church, pursue Jesus with all our heart, all our soul, all our mind, and all our strength. And out of that, Out of the right pursuit, we have a healthy heart. Let's pray. Jesus. Father God, it is no small vision to be healthy, 
to bring health. And out of health, God changed the world around us. I pray for people in this room right at this moment that may be just internally assessing where they are. God, I pray that you will encourage them, that you will comfort them. But also, all of us will be challenged to be healthy disciples, a healthy church. In the name of Jesus, amen. I'd love every head just to stay bowed just for a moment. There'll be one or two people that are looking around. The challenge now is for those people that don't know Jesus. Those people that maybe, maybe you're here for the first time. Maybe you've been coming along for a long time. I don't know. But you've never made that decision to follow Jesus. And today is the day. That today is the day you want to step into that new life, that forgiveness, that hope. But there's also people in the room that have made that decision before, but you've gone away. Jesus tells a parable of the prodigal son and he says he went away, but he came, there's a moment when he came to his right mind and maybe today that's you. Where he thinks I was so much better off back home. Right at this moment, Jesus is calling you home. He's waiting with open arms. Not with a big stick, but with open arms. But what if you're a young person in this church? You've grown up in church and your, your faith relationship maybe has been through your caregivers, your parents, whoever. But today, Jesus is calling you. Hey, I want my relationship with you from this moment. I want to establish myself with you. I want you to have your identity with me and in me for yourself. So with every head bowed, every eye closed, if you're in any of those groups, all I'm going to ask you to do is simply put your hand in the air. And I ask that because... I'm going to pray in a moment. I love to know who I'm praying with. And maybe you're through online as well. And something in any of those groups, you know that I've been speaking to you. You can hit the, the raise my hand button. But you're in this room or online and you're saying yes to Jesus. Yes to his love, his grace, his forgiveness. Right now, if you know that's you, just raise your hand. I'll see it. You can take it down. Thank you over here. Who else? You're saying yes to Jesus, not to me. You're just indicating to me. Raise your hand up high so I can see it. You're saying yes to Jesus. Forgiveness from the past, life in the present, and a hope for your future. Okay, we're going to pray together. And I'd love everyone just to quiet in your hearts and if you made that decision whether it's by a hand going in the air or you just made that decision in your heart why don't you just quietly say along with me this prayer and at the end of that prayer we're going to celebrate the decisions being made today Jesus I come to you and I give you my heart the Bible promises to take a heart a heart of stone and turn it to a soft heart I thank you that that's what you've done now I ask for forgiveness of my sin. And I give you control of my life. And from this moment forward, I am now a follower of Jesus. Amen. Amen.